Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Season 5 on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today is the first Coffee Smarter Education pod of the season, so naturally, my OG coffee sensei, Chris O'Brien, is back to drop some knowledge on all of us. If you are in San Diego, you should head over to Pacific Beach where Coffee Cycle is located. I stopped by earlier this week and I had an excellent cup of Kenya. Definitely worth the effort to get there to try it, but I get the impression that there isn't much left. Mostly because they said, we don't have much left. Today we're talking about the coffee cherry and dreams. I should clarify, those are two different topics. We're not talking about a very specific dream about coffee cherries. If you have a moment while you're listening today, I'd appreciate it if you'd head to roastwestcoast.com and subscribe to the newsletter. I know that it is offered for free, but paid subscriptions help support the creation of this content. And until May 5th, there is a 50% off subscription that enables us to purchase a cup of coffee every month. It's a great way to support the creation of this podcast. I'll add that link to the show notes. And of course, you can find it on roastwestcoast.com. Before we get a little bit coffee smarter, I need to ask you, is your coffee mug full? If not, you better hurry, because it is time for this Coffee Smarter session with our coffee expert, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting, all about the coffee cherry and dreams. That's uh, that's the lack of coffee and the excess whiskey coming out. That's it. It uh, dissolves, <laughs> dissolves out through my, through my eyes. Uh, you know, I had an honest to goodness hospitality nightmare last night, well, and I bet I haven't had one of those in a couple of years. I had them for about six months after I stopped working at the restaurant. But last night, I. My one dream was about I was waiting tables in like a summer touristy place. And the very first customer I saw on a crazy busy night was, you know, brought his own alcohol into the bar and was upset that I wouldn't let him keep it. And then like it was kind of like a dirty dancing situation where the staff had to do like a song. So I had to sneak out the back and hide and (laughs) smoke, you know, while they were doing that. I don't even I haven't smoked in 20 years. Uh, but in my dream, I did. And I woke up just like shaking from that that memory of, you know, what it was like to have 500 customers come through in a couple hours on a Friday night and, you know, none of them be happy. You know, that that isn't always the case, but in the nightmare it is. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, this is a little bit creepy, but in the last like four days, I've probably had like eight people, including myself, talk about nightmares. Like <laughs> specifically related to hospitality though, or just no, generally? No, but like, like pretty gnarly nightmares. And like, I mean, I probably hear about someone's nightmare. Like I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an adult, you know, I'm almost getting toward 40. Like, like I hear about nightmare, like once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year. Now I've heard like eight in like three or four days. I think there's like some kind of like psychic trauma that's happening in my like circle. And I don't want to say that it's revolving around me, but it might be. You know, you know, I always had service industry nightmares when I was in the industry. And the worst part about it is like even after a long day or a long shift, 
your brain doesn't really stop working. Cause even in the dream, I think I knew it was a dream, but I was still trying to fix the problem. How do I address this, this person's problem? How do I make them leave and give us a good Yelp review? And then I wake up and I feel like I haven't slept yet. And, uh, it was, it was just intense. And then I thought, well, great. Now I'm gonna have to talk to Chris, but you're like my therapist. These sessions are really just for me. I'm not, I haven't even been publishing them. I know you don't listen to them anyway. So I've just been doing this. We could just be silent and stare at each other for two hours, you know? Uh, Speaking of, welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, Chris. This is the first Coffee Smarter episode of Season 5, which is pretty wild to think that we have made it so far. Coming up on 100 100 episodes of the show. Whoa! I know, right? Uh, This will be, I think, 89... 90 and we'll we'll hit it uh midway through the season so pretty cool uh that we've made it this far all right well sometimes talking to you it feels like we've done 100 episodes in a day (laughs) (laughs) i may have exaggerated and said 100 a few times already so uh but i counted i went down and i counted the list uh got rid of the advertising and said okay that's how many it is so thank you for coming back we're going to talk about the layers of the coffee cherry today Whoa, At least I think we are. That's what I had I had asked you about. Um, I'm assuming you did your standard six to eight hours of uh, prep, and you're ready oh, yeah. to give us kind of um, a breakdown of what comes from the coffee cherry. And the reason I'm asking this question is because I happened across a diagram of a coffee cherry, and I just assumed it would be like the outside and the inside. <laughs> but according to this diagram, there was like 12 layers of this thing. There's there's a couple layers. I don't think there's quite 12, but there's a couple. <laughs> well, we weren't at 100 episodes yet, and I still was saying 100. So Ex- uh, exaggeration, I have been told by people close to me, is something I'm quite good at. So how, how about you tell me, let's break down the structure of a coffee cherry. Well, you know... Um... Uh, this topic is uh, is a is a fun little topic. Nothing nothing too crazy to go into, but it is interesting because you know there are more than just you know one or two layers to a coffee cherry, and they all matter. Is why it's an interesting topic. They all have an impact somewhere along the way of our coffee that we drink ultimately. So what what's a what's a part of the cherry that you know about? Well, there's the bean. Okay, and that's, there's that's the cherry. Yes, Being and the there's the chair. Right. Yes, that is the end. The end of my intelligence awesome. about the coffee cherry. So you know, for people that don't know, and and if you've been listening to the show, you probably do know. But um, but you know, coffee grows in cherries. Sometimes they're called berries, but they grow in these little round fruits. And there's a bunch of them on each branch of the coffee shrub. And usually, most varieties ripen to like a dark, deep red color. Um, but some of them ripen into different colors. So when they're perfectly ripe, sometimes they'll be yellow, and that'll be like a yellow bourbon or an orange. But usually they're these 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 bright red ripening to like a dark red berry. And inside each coffee cherry, there are usually two beans in the center of the cherry. Um, it's kind of like the the stone at the pit of of a cherry, but instead of just one, there's two of them. That's why they're flat on one side. But huh. you know. Most, yeah, exactly. That's why they're flat on one side. I never thought about it. I just assumed there would only be one uh, well, inside the chair. Well, sometimes there is one. Sometimes there is one. And um, is that like a super bean then? 
Some people think so. They used to think it was a defect. They used to think that it was something that had gone wrong. Because when there's only one, it forms a kind of round bean because it's not nestled up against a fellow bean. And so that's what we call peaberry coffee. Peaberry coffee is uh, a selection of, of coffee beans that are only single beans that have become more rounded. Sometimes peaberries get sorted out just by size because they tend to be a little bit smaller. But generally, it's just when a single bean is formed inside the cherry instead of two. And an interesting thing about that is that that happens to all coffee. All coffee around the world, something like 5 to 7% of coffee cherries grow only like one bean inside and, and they make a pea berry. And that's just something that happens during the growing process. It's not because one bean ate its twin inside the cherry womb. I'm pretty sure that the bean did not eat its twin, but now okay. that you say that, I want to think about that for a minute. And Yep. Okay. Got it. So yeah, uh, pea berries when only We're going to bean... get that Netflix deal yet, Chris. I swear. <laughs> We're going to get that Netflix deal eventually. The Netflix deal, we talked about this, what was it, yesterday? Uh, you know, it should be more accessible now that their stock is going down. I know, right? They're like desperate it. for content. Cheap content. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get cheaper than you and me buddy <laughs> uh, you know i do this for free everybody <laughs> if there's anybody listening i do this for free <laughs> i i pay emotionally <laughs> that's that's definitely fair okay so back to the coffee uh cherry and the layers of the coffee cherry i i took us on a tangent my fault everyone no, no, I, I love tangents you know that so it started in the center, um, and we're just going to wrap up talking about the center before we start actually at the outside. So the center, you get your pea berry, it forms one bean, it's kind of rounded. And pea berry can be a bit of a, a soapbox topic for me uh, amongst my coworkers. You'll, you'll hear them kind of laugh about it because sometimes customers will say that they love pea berry coffees. And the, the thing about that is that there's actually no single unifying trait shared by pea berry coffees. It's a genetic aberration that happens in all coffee. And if I have a coffee from one farm and I separate out its pea berry coffee and I have a coffee from another farm and I separate out its pea berry coffee, one of them might be really good and the other one might be really terrible. You just don't know. It's just a, a luck of the draw whether the pea berry lot is going to be better or worse than um, the rest of the lot. And so when someone says that they love peaberry coffee, it's it's one of my pet peeves because you can't love peaberry coffee. It's it's just a it's just a kind of coffee that maybe you might love or maybe you don't, but there's no one unifying characteristic of all peaberry coffees in the as far as how they taste that a person could grow attached to. Um, because there's literally nothing unifying them all other than the fact that they're round. Um, so maybe if you like really round things, that's why you like peaberry coffees, but if you're like oh, every peaberry coffee I've tasted, I've really enjoyed. That doesn't actually mean that you love peaberry coffees because there are plenty of peaberry coffees out in the world that you haven't tried that you won't like. That's kind of interestingly true about coffee uh, regions too. Like I tend to say I like Sumatra coffees, but that's really based on like my experience with the Sumatra coffees I've had. It doesn't mean to, I don't mean to assume that I love every Sumatra coffee I've ever had, but I think what I'm hearing from you is because the pea berry, because that single bean in a cherry is found across all these different regions and all these different varietals, 
you really can't say there's any singular consistency to either flavor or style or anything because they could be anything. You know, where I could say, hey, Sumatra is known for these characteristics. Yes. You know, that I could generally speaking apply. I really can't do that to Peaberry uh, because there's just, they're taking coffee from the whole world. Correct. Correct. And now I've put that information out into the world in this format where I actually might reach more than like one or two people at a time hearing me be frustrated by this. So thank you to anybody who actually listens. Um, and yes, you can make fun of me for being bothered by pe- people who like Peaberry. <laughs> I'm designing a sticker right now that says, fuck Peaberry. And uh, <laughs> it'll be available at Coffee Cycle in the near future. I've had some great peaberry coffees that I love. So it's funny because my coworkers are like, Chris hates peaberry coffee. No, I don't. I don't hate peaberry coffee. Just like you can't love peaberry coffee. I just like coffee. And if it's good, I'll like it, whether it's peaberry or not. Anyway, that's my soapbox on peaberry for the day. Coffee cherry, focus, back on track. So we started at the center, but we're actually going to go back and we're going to start on the outside. Every fruit has an outside and it's usually the skin. So coffee cherries have a skin. And so you can kind of like peel open the skin and there's like some fruit inside, right? Well, that skin um, is the first part that we need to remove uh, if we're going to be getting at the beans. You know, the only method of processing coffee that leaves the skin on is what we call natural or dry processing coffee. And even then, after the coffee is fully dried in its skin and fruit, we still will remove the bean from that fruit. But the skin is the the first part. And because the skin is removed during the majority of coffee processing, there are a couple places in the world where the skin is used on its own. So the skin can be dried and made into an herbal tea, a tisane. And that tea is called different things depending on where you are in the world. Here in the U.S., we usually hear it referred to as cascara or cascara. But cascara, which means, I think, husk in Spanish, just is referred to as the dried cherry around the, uh, the dried dried skin of the cherry. And you can eat these cherries. They're, they're totally tasty, and, you know, you can just pop them in your mouth, eat them, and spit out the beans, and they're pretty, pretty yummy. The dried cascara tea has some interesting taste to it. It kind of tastes a little bit like prunes. Um, there's a lot of variation depending on the coffee, of course. But it has kind of a, a light, fruity taste. It does have some caffeine, caffeine analogs to it, so it will give you a little little pep. But, you know, a lot of the time on the farms, the Cascara is sort of a discard product. So sometimes farm workers will drink it as sort of like a sun tea. They'll steep it and have it as kind of like a nice refreshing beverage while they're out working some hot fields. And then on the farm level, you know, if a farm can export the Cascara and sell it, it's an excellent additional revenue stream because what once was a waste product can be turned into an actual consumable product. And a number of things get done with Cascara, Cascara tea. It gets infused into a lot of different other things. And I think my favorite thing I've ever had with Cascara was probably a Belgian beer brewed with Cascara, I think from New Belgium Brewery. And that was, that was phenomenal. It's an interesting flavor. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of sweet tart-ish. It's not for everybody, but some people really love it. And yeah, so that's the skin. So then we get on. Oh, and uh, in Yemen, where, you know, coffee has been grown for almost as long as it's been grown in Ethiopia, or arguably just as long, that same tea, Kaskara, is referred to as Kashir, which is spelled, I think, Q-I-S-R. 
I'm not an expert expert in any kind of foreign language, um, so my pronunciation on that is bad. Please don't uh, not call me back for another Coffee Smarter session. But yeah, so Kaskara in most of Latin America and Kashir in Yemen. So after you get past the skin, then you have kind of the, the, the meat of the fruit, you know, then just the general fruit part. And then after you get past that, there's another layer called the mucilage. And the mucilage surrounds both beans, and it's kind of like a sticky white substance. It's like pretty sticky, and it's kind of the consistency of like snot, you know, it's, it's pretty gross. And the mucilage is what gets left on the beans when you're doing a semi-wash processing. Uh, when you're doing like a honey processing is usually when you would leave mucilage on the bean. Uh, and you can leave, you know, more or less mucilage and you can leave some mucilage and some fruit. And that denotes the different colors of, of honey processing. So you can have a um, honey processing that has a lot of fruit left on. And that would be like a black honey or very little fruit left on. And that would be like a white or a yellow honey. You're about to ask me something. I was going to say you have a black honey processed Costa Rica coffee uh, at your shop right now, I believe. We do. I, I really love it. So obviously it's a type of processing that can affect the final product, but by leaving that mucilage on in that sort of uh, semi-washed process, does the mucilage itself uh, have extra flavor that gets somehow infused into the bean? Or is it is it just the fact that it was washed to a final point? Yeah, so we, we touched on this during one of our Coffee Smarter sessions about processing. You know, what's happening when we're drying the coffee is there's some fermentation going on. There's micro microorganisms that are acting upon the, the bean and the, and the fruit around it. And the mucilage, being as sticky as it is, has a high sugar content. And so microorganisms like to eat and, you know, enjoy the sugar content of the mucilage as well as of the, the, the part of the fruit that it gets left on. And so that microorganism population is what's affecting largely affecting the flavor of the bean. Also, because there's more substance around the bean, it might take longer to dry. And so the, the length of drying time can also impact what microorganism populations are existing and what effect they've been able to have during the drying process. And that black honey is, you know, it's a great coffee. When I first was roasting it and tasting it, I thought it was, you know, just this beautifully balanced chocolatey nutty coffee with hints of fruit and now as we've been roasting it longer and longer and we've we've really gotten that roast profile down once we got it dialed in it really drinks a lot like a natural it has a little bit less fruit than a natural but it's very creamy and very fruit forward and we do you know tweak the roast to make sure we're not highlighting that too much but it it's a surprisingly fruity coffee for one that's not naturally processed and that makes a lot of sense because a black honey has all of the mucilage and even a little bit of the fruit left on. And sometimes we even see a, ch a cherry on one of those beans still after the drying phase. The, the honey machine did not remove the full cherry from some of the beans. And so those kind of burn off in the roasting. So after the mucilage, there's another layer. And this layer surrounds each bean individually, and it's what we call the parchment. So when a coffee is done being dried at the farm, usually, or at the, the processing plant, it's usually stored for a little while in, in parchment because there's one more layer of processing that has to be done. It's called dry milling. And the parchment is like kind of like a thick paper consistency, and it surrounds each bean. And so you can kind of, you know, just peel it off with your fingers. 
but a machine just kind of rubs it off with, you know, some rubber or something kind of just grips it and tears it right off. Um, but the parchment does help preserve the, uh, the coffee freshness a little bit longer than storing it fully milled like we get it here in the U.S. And then there's yet another layer because we're not done. We're not at 12 yet, though, Ryan. We're not at 12. Uh, what are we at? We have um, the outer layer. We skin. have like the the fruit, the skin, Meat. kind of like the fruit, the pulp, yep, the mucilage, and now the parchment. Parchment, perfect. Now we're at silver skin. So the silver skin is like a thin, also kind of papery, but very thin and like um, like delicate kind of gossamer layer that's left on the bean itself. And most of the time, the dry milling will have removed a lot of the silver skin. But you'll always see a little bit of the silver skin uh, because it gets stuck in the seam of the bean. You know, the, that flat side of the bean has that little line down the side where where those seeds are kind of gripping onto a little bit of that silver skin. And so when you roast the coffee and the coffee bean expands, that silver skin gets exposed a little bit more. That little bit that gets left gets exposed. And because it's so thin and light, it gets, you know, pretty destroyed by the heat of the roasting and tends to kind of flake off. And it creates this, it's not ashy, but it's, it's, um, it's this light flaky substance that flakes off in the, in the roasting and the roasting machines have chambers to catch that. And that becomes what we call chaff is sort of a byproduct of roasting. And it's, um, it's very light and it's very flammable. <laughs> so it's, it's possible if you don't clean out the chaff in your roaster regularly enough, or if you're roasting a lot of coffees that have a lot of silver skin left on them or, or, you know, are more prevalent with that sort of thing. It's possible that you can set your roaster on fire <laughs> by letting that chaff ignite. And that has happened to a roasting friend of mine, you know, luckily with no really major consequences in any way, but we still got to laugh at him about it. <laughs> it's like the, the lint, the lint screen on a yeah. dryer, like a clothes dryer, exactly. right? Exactly. Kind of that, that concept. Okay, so outer skin, uh, fruit pulp, parchment, silver skin. Now what? You skip mucilage, but we'll give you a pass. Mucilage. Yeah, yeah. Mucilage, I just feel like, sounds like it's some sort of fiber that I'm going to eat for breakfast. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound great. I agree. Okay. <laughs> outer skin, pulp, fruit, mucilage, parchment, silver skin. Bean. Seed. Yeah. The bean is a seed. I don't really know why we call it a bean, but it's a seed. That was one of the questions I had, actually, because obviously a bean is a thing. It's a legume. It's a different type of vegetable or product, not a vegetable, but legume. I'm assuming it's just because it looks similar to like a black bean or a you know lima bean yeah. or something. I really don't know. I really don't know. You can edit me saying I don't know out of the podcast if you want, you know, because... To be I'm going to edit it in more. I'm going <laughs> to copy and paste it throughout. I like it. Every other Coffee Smarter episode is just <laughs> recording me <laughs> saying that. I like it. I like yep. it. And then I'm going to remix it and I'm going to drop it on Spotify. And that's what that's what this show will become known for, not for all of the <laughs> important education that we've put out into the world. I like it. I like it. Uh, very cool. Well, is there anything besides anything else that we? You know, we've, we started with the bean, then we went out to the outside. We worked our way back to the bean. Is there anything else about this cherry that we should know? I think we covered it pretty good. Um, coffee bean, coffee cherries are good to eat. 
Peaberries are, uh, you know, a variation that happens to all coffees. And if you get just a random bag of coffee, chances are if you kind of pick through it, you'll find some rounder beans that are actually peaberries. You can take the cherry skin and dry it to make a tea. It's called Kaskara or Kishir. And uh, Ryan thinks mucilage is gross and he's not wrong. So, yeah, I think that covers it. I didn't say that. I like fiber. We all like to have a good, healthy breakfast. We do have a few extra minutes, though, and I wanted to, uh, every season I try to learn a little bit more about you, or at least to share a little bit more about oh, you uh, with our audience. So I've got a couple of sure? rapid-fire questions. Yep. <laughs> a couple of rapid-fire questions that I made a note of, just in case we had extra time with this question. So you just, just answer, don't think about it. Okay. Make sense? Okay. Ready? Brewed coffee or espresso? Brewed. Hot coffee or cold? Hot. Latte, cappuccino, macchiato, or Americano? Cappuccino. Single origin or blend? Single origin. Favorite former employee who has a beard? (laughs) Me. (laughs) (laughs) You're still your own employee. I thought for sure I was going to get you with at least one of those. Chris, thank you so much for uh, coming back for season five. I know it's been a process and you've been with us the whole way through. You are still my coffee sensei. I just really appreciate uh, your knowledge and your willingness to share it with the people. I'm just grateful you still have me on here after you have such other great coffee experts on here. (laughs) It's like you've had some pretty amazing people. You've had Siri Simran, you've had Jay Rusky, you've had some some pretty, pretty awesome coffee experts. So thank you for continuing to invite me back as my expertise wanes. Well, we'll see how things go. I've got some great new Coffee Smarter guests this year. The team from Moster Coffee, the award-winning Moster Coffee team, uh, Ryan Sullivan and uh, Nick Berardi are going to be on the show this season, giving us some information as well. Uh, So I'm excited about that, but I will will never turn my back on my original OG Coffee Sensei, Chris. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, if you get if you get Nick talking about coffee, you know, you just do what you can to just be silent and let him keep going because that guy is incredible. Um, and Ryan is also really, really incredibly knowledgeable and, uh, and just a great, great coffee guy. So, yeah, excited to hear what they have to contribute to your show. To recap. Hospitality nightmares are a real thing. I've never mentioned one to a fellow current or former server, bartender, or barista, and not been met with an I feel you chuckle. Working in the service industry can be intense, and I don't know that it is really possible to process all of the interactions in a timely manner. The point being, be nice to the baristas. Peaberry coffees, or rather peaberry beans, are the beans that grow inside of the cherry all by themselves. Normally a coffee cherry has two seeds or beans that push against each other as they grow, creating a flat side. When a bean develops without its fellow seed, there's nothing for it to push against. No pressure means no flat side, and the cherry has produced an oval-shaped coffee bean or a peaberry. Roughly 5 plus percent of all coffee beans develop as peaberries, and they can develop in any varietal of coffee, in any region, which means there are no consistent traits. They could be good, they could be bad. There'll be a variation of whatever larger batch of coffee they are a part of. 
The coffee cherry is much more complex than just fruit and bean. There are multiple layers. From the outside in, there's the skin, the fruit, the mucilage, which is a sticky white substance, the parchment and silver skin, which are multiple layers of a paper husk that attach to the bean. How many of these outer layers are removed and when will depend on the method of processing. The variations on the process will either aid or stop fermentation, leading to different fermentation levels and ultimately impact the flavor of the coffee that gets roasted by people like Chris and drunk by people like me and you. If you want to learn more about that and see some follow-up on other topics that came up in today's show, like cascara tea and what chafe is, head to roastwestcoast.com to read the latest post or subscribe to the newsletter. Then I can send you this show and all of that bonus content in an email each week. If you want to see what coffees Chris is serving at Coffee Cycle, head to coffeecycleroasting.com or follow them on Instagram at coffeecycleroasting. Chris will be back next week for another Coffee Smarter episode about cleaning your coffee equipment at home, including the brewer, the cup, and the grinder. And I'm planning another round of rapid-fire questions just for him. Later this season, Siri Simran Kulsa of Lofty Coffee and Jared Hales of Hasea Coffee Source will also be back to help us get coffee smarter, and they're going to be joined by Ryan Sullivan, the roasting director of the award-winning Moster Coffee Company. Later this week, I'll drop the second interview of the season with Eric and Carol Blanchet of Talking Crow Roasters. Based out of northern Washington, Talking Crow focuses primarily on decaf coffee. And if you missed it, go back and listen to the first episode of Season 5, featuring the interview with Kenny Fletcher of Paper Tiger Coffee Roasters in Vancouver, Washington. It was a moving interview, both for his story and to hear how passionate he is about his work teaching coffee and coffee roasting to people with various hearing or visual abilities. You can find that episode wherever you listen to the show. That seems obvious. But you can also stream it at RoastWestCoast.com, where you can also check out the new column, The Bean Journal, which will detail what and where I'm drinking coffee. Thank you for checking it out, and thank you for listening to the show today. I also want to thank the Roast Industry Partners, Ignite Coffee Company, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, First Light Whiskey, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and Café Terre. If you want to be a guest on this show or meet me for a cup of coffee, I'll be at Café Terre in Solana Beach, California with the microphone set up this Wednesday, May the 4th from 9 to 11. I'd love to hear your coffee story and share a cup of coffee with you. Café Terre is on the 101 Highway in Solana Beach. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity and coffee to make it through the day. And please, always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee.
Hey there, if you liked this episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, and you want more, and more coffee content, please consider buying us a cup of coffee by signing up for a paid subscription to the Roast West Coast newsletter. You can get a 50% off monthly subscription until May 5th. That's 50% until 5-5. With enough subscribers, I'll be able to focus on creating coffee content for you all day every day. Just head to roastwestcoast.com to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for drinking good coffee, everyone. I like beer. Hey, everyone. If you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer, the podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer, the podcast, wherever you are listening to this show about coffee, or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com. And we're out.